Uh, good evening, everybody, and welcome into This Week in Hockey. Chris Kerber, Joe Vitale, alongside Alex Ferrario with you from now until 8 o'clock. Glad to have you with us. Still plenty to talk about as we wait for the uh, pandemic to calm down. People continue to do their part in helping make it happen, but some maybe light at the end of the tunnel, potential good news regarding the resumption of the NHL season. We'll get into that here in just a moment. But coming up on tonight's show, we talk with former Blue and now TSN show host in Canada, Carlo Koliakovo. Talk about what's going on with the COVID-19 in Toronto. And again, could Toronto be a viable city to resume the NHL season? What's going on with the Chicago Blackhawks? They made a heck of a move yesterday, a splash move. There's a little surprising regarding their front office, so we'll hit that in this hour. And Darren Kimball is the head coach of the CarShield AAA team. They were going to go to the regional tournament, represent St. Louis in that tournament, and unfortunately the pandemic put their season to a screeching halt. But they have done a great job with that program. We're going to talk to him just about the success they've had and then again the, the continued growing uh, base of youth hockey in the St. Louis region. Coming up in second hour, uh, Joe and I are going to go head-to-head on a new trivia game. So Joe versus Curbs as Alex Ferrario tries to come up with another level of genius. Uh, Colton Pareko was able to field some questions from Blue Season ticket holders. So we'll go ahead and uh, bring you some of that, Tad, as the season ticket holders ask some really terrific questions to Colton Pareko. The NHL put this one out as well. Uh, Alex Ovechkin and Wayne Gretzky did a virtual chat uh, via video, and we've got some of that sound for you. So a lot to come your way over the course of the the two hours here tonight. But Joe, Alex, let's kind of get things going. I guess some. I guess we can look at it, Joe, with, with as some good news. Uh, you know, from the standpoint of they they seem to be there seems to be a little more traction with the idea that the NHL could resume later on this summer, and if they did, in a four to five, maybe four to seven city, uh, host city kind of scenario. And and at least of the ideas, and this is by no means set in stone, this one seems to be gaining the most amount of traction so far. Yeah, and I think it is, Curbs. And, you know, it started out so broad, I think a couple weeks ago, where this discussions about neutral sites, uh, a lot of college and universities were thrown into the mix. I know like Grand Forks, North Dakota, North Dakota, excuse me, which we actually talked about on the show. Uh, Gary Bettman's come out since then saying, no, we want to establish this in an NHL facility. We need the rooms. We need, uh, of course, the, the rinks, the practice facilities. We need a, it needed to be a top-class kind of uh, venue for these teams. So he's kind of narrowed it down a little bit more. And then from the NHL teams, now we're going to the cities. We're looking at cities where the COVID-19 isn't as wildly spread. They're looking at hotels. They're looking at practice facilities. They're looking at locker rooms. Uh, can they accommodate it? Uh, you know, there's a lot of discussions about that. So now it's almost like you guys ever, when your kids sit for gold in those little tray kits, like you start out with a bunch of rocks and you start shaking with water and you keep uh, right. losing little pebbles and little pebbles and little pebbles. Eventually we're going to find some gold. So I had a conversation yesterday, Alex, with some people. And, you know, one of, one of the analogies that came up is really what the league has done is you have planned – for a multitude of complete unknowns. And then as each week passes, and whether it be more ideas of better testing, uh, antibody testing, cities that are no longer hotspots, all these different things start to sort them some out. You just, you had to buy yourself some time. Uh, it, It really comes down to the time and the direction of this, which is completely out of the control 
kind of starts to steer that ship into which one of those multitude of ideas becomes more viable. Well, and the conversations, I guess, continue to grow between the Players Association and, of course, the NHL. Like, that's the part that I think is is why we're building towards some examples and why we're getting to the area of you're starting to think that these ideas might work are because the players are starting to agree. And everybody, they said at the beginning of all of this, right, that, that they were throwing every idea out there on the board and just seeing what stuck. And now that we're getting closer to the quarantine, being lifted for the players and trying to get players into a practice facility to where they can start skating together in smaller groups, more ideas start to kind of show themselves and present what works best for the NHL so that when they do decide to restart, they're ready to jump right into it rather than wait. So one of the intriguing aspects of what has happened here, fellas, is, and let's just for the sake of discussion, go with the idea that the NHL goes with the concept of a host city. Who knows how many that is. If you went with four host cities, you would have eight teams, eight teams in one city and seven in one of the others as well. But let's just, what it's done is it's created almost a bidding process or a thought process of how different cities could handle it and react and work. And the one thing that you know now, you know that one, the National Hockey League, when they do resume, the idea of going to Grand Forks, North Dakota, or, or a smaller arena just isn't viable because of how the infrastructure that they would have to put in place to televise the games. And, and, and then the locker room facilities, all that. So they need a minimum of at least four locker rooms because you would be talking about playing three different games a day potentially. All right, so that's one aspect of it. Then another aspect of it is hotel rooms. So who's got the hotel capabilities of it? You've got NHL cities that have uh, TV capabilities, obviously. But the other big aspect of it is is if you're going to move teams into a city and you're able to get through all the safety aspects of testing and sequestering and even the negotiating aspects of how this is going to even work from a CBA standpoint, you're going to have to have ice sheets for teams to be able to practice on. And my goodness, all of a sudden, a new rink in Chesterfield and the new Centene Community Ice Center really has St. Louis, uh, I think, looking at least as part of the discussion and not ruled out. And this is, of course, assuming everything falls into place from a COVID-19 count aspect. You know, Curbs, I I agree with you there in the sense that we have the practice facilities now ready in place because ice conditions. I mean, that's going to be a big hot topic as we start, you know, siphoning through these cities. you got to have good ice conditions, especially on the game rank, because um, if you play three three games in a day – uh, ice recovery. You know, what's it going to be like an hour after one game? Uh, and then same with the practice facility. So that's in place. Uh, one thing I will say about St. Louis, of course, there's plenty of hotels, four-star, five-star. It's in the CBA for these players. Although I don't know if this means much anymore, but when they travel these cities, they're, they're mandatory to, for teams to put them in four-star and five-star hotels. St. Louis has plenty of those. So that that's checked off the list. You mentioned the practice facilities. That's a big check mark. You look at the Enterprise Center, they have plenty of locker rooms. Uh, to me, the biggest thing that St. Louis has going for them is the fact that they have hosted big events and hosted them pretty recently. I mean, you look at the All-Star game and what they uh, put on there downtown, uh, the parade last summer. I mean, they have, I mean, of course, the, uh, the Winter Classic a few years back. They are capable of handling a large crowd. Uh, to me, that is a very encouraging thing as you consider St. Louis to be one of these cities, Alex. Let me ask you both this, because this is the kind of comment I've been seeing from some of the players talking about this, that, you know, if they do this to where it's in certain cities where they're going to play the remainder of the regular season and possibly the playoffs, players have talked about, you know, being away from their families for three to four months and how that seems to be kind of a 
a against point or a veto point for some of these players. What do you think, Curbs? I I honestly have no idea how to judge what's going to happen when it comes to that. It's not. I mean, I have thoughts on what you're asking, but it, it's. There's so many tentacles, and and the one thing that's coming on this is is the the unintended consequence aspect of it. So, um, I, I almost wonder if some players are are going to want to play, and some players aren't. Yeah, you know, I, I really do wonder, depending on the timing and depending on the teams, and can the NHL do that? And 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 can the NHL how, how the NHL is going to pull it off? The one thing that we do know, guys, is that this is really changed the dynamic completely changed the dynamic of the way the season could finish out so let's again make the assumption that we're going to find a way to resume the season um none of us fully believe they're going to be find a way to get all 82 games in there so whether it's 76 78 that that seems to to make some logical sense um but but evan all of a sudden a team like the columbus blue jackets who have just been battling monster injuries all season long and still found a way to be relevant, the, the, Joe, they could be healthy. Yeah. I mean, so it, it's interesting when you start to throw the idea around of integrity of your season into this, you're just going to have to throw some things out and just accept it. Because all of a sudden now, I mean, you're talking about Seth Jones being able to skate on a daily basis because he was injured. How far ahead of some guys could he possibly be? And a guy that might not have been able to play come playoff time could now play. And not only play, but be healthy. Yeah, I mean it's it's yeah. it's a phenomenal aspect of this that uh, I I think completely changes the dynamic of what could happen here. Well, and it kind of touches base with Vladimir Tarasenko for Blues fans. I mean the same idea, right? Where I will say there's two things about when a player comes back after being out for a long time, like Seth Jones and Vladimir Tarasenko. It's not only about that player. How is he feeling? Was he in good shape? Uh, it's not just about that. To me, it was always more about as a player. Uh, where is everyone else on the rink as far as health-wise, strength-wise, energy-wise? I'd say, what, guys, coming back from a long-term injury in mid to late October, for example, when the season just got started, that is a whole lot different than coming back from a long-term injury, let's say, at the end of January when, when teams are worn out. And I remember my first call up, it was in February. For the first week, guys, I was like, this is the easiest league in the world. It, it wasn't that difficult. But then as you play more, more times in the league, you realize that it's just that time of the year. So for these players like Seth Jones to come back and be healthy, they're, they're playing on a completely different yeah, even playing field. Same with Vladimir yeah. Tarasenko, uh, where it's going to be very interesting. Columbus is an interesting one to me because given how this thing plays out, we're talking about limited games. I, I think the team that has the mental edge is going to have a spark. But th the biggest thing with limited games that stands out for me, and this is where I'm going to tie this into Columbus, is goaltending is going to be as important as ever because we're not doing maybe possibly seven games, best of seven. It could be best of five. It could be best of three for a little while. We don't really know. Or even those points to finish out the regular season if they decide to do that. And to me, guys, Elvis Merzlikens before uh, this whole stoppage, he was a very bright yep. spot. He's been he's been rewarded a two-year extension after this season. He's making Jordan Bennington money maybe just shy of it, I think. But he's a goalie that has been playing so well. He's so hot with the injuries and – that team getting healthy and the goaltending of Elvis, I'm telling you, Columbus could be one of those teams that 
uh, just could really blow a lot of minds. Again, just another complete unique dynamic to what is going on because of this pause and the pandemic. We'll take a break, and when we come back on This Week in Hockey, Carlo Koliakova talks to us about maybe the viability of Toronto being one of those cities, what's also going on with him, and then after that, Blackhawks made a move yesterday. It opened some eyes. We'll get into that as well here in this first hour. Coming up on This Week in Hockey on your home for St. Louis Blues Hockey 101 ESPN. Well, welcome back into This Week in Hockey. Glad to have you with us here on a Tuesday night. Coming up tomorrow night, the Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Behind the Bench program comes your way from 6 to 7 p.m. So we sit down and kind of highlight the uh, fantastic career of Bruce Affleck. And we talk a lot about Bobby Plager doing uh, so many different things with this organization from day one. Well, Bruce wasn't long after day one, and he's been with the organization ever since he was a player. And anywhere from a team president to a broadcaster in charge of ticket sales to a defenseman on the ice, we're going to highlight Bruce Affleck tomorrow night, and Bruce will be with us for the entire program, so stay tuned for that. On Thursday and Friday nights, we've got your play, Gloria. Of course, that's brought to you by Mitsubishi Electric Heat Cooling and Heating, along with McDonald's, and that is when we replay all the Blues wins from last season's Stanley Cup playoff run, and we've got the second and third wins, Game 3 and Game 6, against the Dallas Stars coming this Thursday and Friday night. And, of course, that's with a fresh pregame show starting at 6 o'clock both of those nights. But here on This Week in Hockey, we're proud to be joined by Carlo Koliakovo, of course, a former NHL player, played with the St. Louis Blues, played more games with the Blues than he did with any of the other teams he played for, 284 games with the Blues to be exact. And he has now uh, turned his stick in for a microphone as he joined the media ranks and is a co-host of uh, TSN's First Up a show on uh, TSN 1050 up in Toronto. So he's got to get up now for a 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. show every single day. Carlo, welcome to the dark side. How are you? What's up, boys? Welcome to the dark side. Wow, I feel like it's the light side coming in with you guys. I mean, you guys are coming off a high of last year, Stanley Cup champions. You guys are walking around with swagger. I'm just a guy holding a microphone now, man. How has your transition into the, the media world and being a co-host of a morning show in Toronto gone? It's been awesome, man. It's been uh, something that I never even thought I could imagine myself doing. Uh, I was never a morning person. I always loved sleeping in right to the last minute and how quickly I had to readjust my life uh, you know, for the 4.30 alarm bell uh, to get up and, and do a morning show for four hours. But uh, it's been a blessing, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I think the fear for most guys is, is you know, as the door starts to close in their career, they start to think about what they want to do next in life and how quickly they're going to do it. And for me, the transition was seamless, and I'm extremely thankful for that. Uh, I, was, I was a guy that, you know, followed, watched, talked sports my whole life, not just hockey. And uh, it just seemed, uh, you know, the right fit for me. Um, walking into this, working with Michael Landsberg, uh, working at uh, TSN at um, – you know, has uh, some great talent over there, really res uh, a lot of respected people. And um, honestly, the, the hardest thing about the job is, is getting up in the morning. The best part about the job is you get to talk sports and you get to still live within the game instead of playing it. Well, Carlo, you know, on this topic, rumor has it that you were interviewing for my job uh, a couple years ago. <laughs> and uh, I, let me first start off by saying thank you for removing yourself from the pot because that made way for me. Um, no, looking back, obviously we have decisions to be made after we're done playing. Uh, you, of course, have uh -huh. had some decisions to make 
Uh, any any regrets going the direction you went? None, none whatsoever. I mean, uh, if, just want to point out, you know, the job that you know I that Chris Gerber had, you know, want, wanted to introduce to me. Um, it was something that I really put a lot of uh, hard thought into. But I think the thing that really worked for me here was I played in seven cities in eight years, and it was a real uh, it was a real opportunity for me to find. Um, some security, uh, be able to be settled at home around my family. And, you know, they all say things in life happen for a reason. And as much as, you know, I, I'm happy for you because I think you, you're well deser- deserving of the job, um, I'm, I still have a lot of connections to St. Louis, and I love St. Louis. And watching them win the Stanley Cup last year was so satisfying for me, even though I was at home. Um, but considering what I've gone through uh, with my family and, and some of the struggles that my son had to go through uh, with his leukemia diagnosis, um, you know, there's no better place that I would have rather been than at home and around family during those times. So I guess in life they say, you know, things do happen for a reason. And the reason for me was uh, to stay home and uh, find some longevity, find some security in, in my post-career job. And obviously something that I love doing too, um, I find that, you know, in hockey, when you're a player, and Joey, you can attest to this too, that you deal with a lot of stresses, um, physical and mental. And the beauty that I love about, you know, being a broadcaster and talking sports is you can have fun while you're doing it. And there's not really much to stress about if you love the job and love the people you work with. And I think that's something that I've uh, been really happy with and satisfied with and something that um, I look forward to for many years to come. And, I guess the beauty about it too is, you know, you're not playing the game, but you're still closely connected to the game. You still got to watch hockey. You still got to break it down. Um, you're still connected to the people involved in the game at other levels. So that's that's been uh, the thing that I've enjoyed the most. So, Carlo, and from the media perspective, uh, we're all living in a really kind of uncharted territory world right now with this pandemic and the postponement of all sports. What has this been like for you in terms of not really having sports to talk about? Yeah, it's been different. It's been uh, challenging uh, uh, some days, but um, I'm a sports nut. Um, you know, it's it's easy to talk about sports when they're on. Uh, I find it more entertaining to find the more interesting stories in sports that you can talk about and have fun conversations with and, um, you know, create com- fun, relatable conversations that you can include your audience in. I mean, um, I'm a guy that's always valued myself in, in preparation and, and um, you know, being, being um, you know, motivated to do a job. And uh, if there's one thing that I've learned through this pandemic is, you know, to spend more time, focus more on the little things that can help me better, better myself to be a broadcaster when it comes to uh, searching for information, when it comes to prepping my notes, when it comes to coming up with creative content and generating different ideas. That's something I didn't really have to focus on a lot before because a lot of it was watching and listening, which is something I've always done. Um, so if, there, if there's a good that can come out of this is that, you know, I think I've, I've you know, well-rounded myself a little bit better, um, you know, to, to make myself a better broadcaster. But I, to me, when, and, and if you've listened to me, I, I love fun conversations. I love laughing when, when we talk about stuff. And, um, you know, when you got to do a four-hour show and there's, there's not – there's not sports on to to analyze you know you try to find the, the trendy topics and luckily for us even though there hasn't been sports on there's been a lot of content you know <laughs> thankful for the nfl they're still operating 
Um, we've seen news come out of baseball. We've seen news come out of the NBA lately. And recently now the NHL has given us optimism that, you know, they're planning on coming back. So that's something that we're building towards. We're talking with former St. Louis Blue Carlo Koliakovo, who is now a radio host up in Toronto on their TSN station 1050. And, Carlo, can you put our boots on the ground in Toronto a little bit and just kind of give us an idea of just what the COVID-19 situation up there has been like or is like? Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, I, I talked to, to Petro, who is one of my good buddies, uh, a lot because he lives in St. Louis, and I, I understand you guys are doing very well over there. It's, it's nerve-wracking up here. There's a lot of anxiety, uh, but there's also a lot of, um, you know, uh, in, impatient people here. Uh, people are getting... Uh, stir crazy. They're 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 wanting a reason and and hope to believe that this is going to end soon so they can get out and start enjoying the weather. But um, I think there's there's a positive approach that you can take from all this is that um, based on the numbers that are being reported, at least for this week, uh, there's been a downtrend, um, which seems to think that people are doing the right things to sort of flatten the curve to this. Um, it's 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 crazy to think that we're living in this world where you know you have to shelter in, in, in sort of a bubble and uh, you know take every precaution when you leave the house and, and go do groceries and can't go visit your family and hang out with your friends. I mean, people are getting used to the technology world now, which I think will help in the future. But it's it's really um, you know creating um, a, a sort of um, a discomfort for people, uh, knowing that uh, the fear of what's out there, um, you know, can be so catastrophic, whether it's to you or somebody you may have thought. So um, it's, I think our government here, um, like you, you know, there's, there's, they, they face a lot of uh, criticism throughout the year, but I, I think I can applaud them for the job that they're doing, as difficult as it may be. Um, but uh, for the most part, um, you know, they're, they're handling it with, with pride. Uh, they're handling it with professionalism. And they're trying to keep people as informed as they need to. And that's all we can do as civilians is take the information, do our part, and hopefully find a way to end this as soon as possible so we can get to a normal life where, you know, we're going out in public, we're, we're eating out in places, we're attending sporting events, we're seeing family. I think that's the, most thing, the one thing I miss the most. You know, it's going to be my daughter's birthday on Saturday, and she's not going to have a normal birthday party. So uh, it's going to be tough for her. It's going to be tough for us. But uh, it's the new normal right now, and there's more important things um, or there's more serious things out there that really put things into perspective. I think for me, I think you guys can speak on this too, but I've really enjoyed through all this is being home, being around my family, where my normal schedule probably wouldn't allow me to spend this much time uh, with my kids, with my wife. Uh, don't get me wrong. I'm 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 looking forward to a road trip sometime sooner than later. But uh, it's, so are uh, they. It's, it's, it's been good. I mean, I've been able to work from home. I'm set up in my basement with um, with my show, and I uh, get an extra hour sleep in the morning, and that's refreshing. Um, but uh, for the most part, it's nice when I'm done my show. I walk right upstairs to my family. We eat meals together. We hang out. We play, and we just enjoy every day. You know, Carlo, you, to continue the, the Toronto talk for a moment, because there's some obviously discussion being thrown out about neutral sites, and you mentioned the uh -huh. city and kind of where it's at. Uh, to me, I don't know how you feel about this. Toronto was one of those cities that, that uh, surprised me to be one of the leader cities. I mean, you see Columbus, you see Minnesota, you see Edmonton, uh -huh. uh, more isolated cities, maybe not as populated. You can see why. Uh, for you, 
why would Toronto in your mind be a good city to host multiple teams and do this neutral site uh, kind of plan that the league is talking about? Yeah, I, I was surprised to hear that too, because um, the messages from our government, especially recently is they don't plan on uh, loosening up the restrictions anytime soon. But when you look at Toronto as a whole, it makes a lot of sense because they have the infrastructure here. Uh, you talk about facilities. Well, uh, they have four major facilities within driving distance of each other. Uh, you talk about hotels that the players are going to need to stay isolated. Uh, they have all that available here as well. And I think Toronto as a whole is more of a neutral place. You talk to, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a it's in the U.S. Um, that 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 players come and go from, uh, whether it's through airport or whether it's through border traffic, um, it just makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, the the ACC has held. Um, uh, World Cup of Hockey here, so they have the dressing room availability. They probably have the staff availability. Um, but uh, and you, if, if, you, if you're talking about you know splitting up into groups, you know you can host one at the Scotiabank Arena, one at the Marley's uh, Coca-Cola Coliseum. The least practice facility has four rinks that are in driving distance. You know you need uh, you need practice uh, ice for teams that are going to be involved. So it makes a lot of sense, but. Um, you know, I guess the, the the big concern is what state is the city in, and uh, right now there's still a lot of concern here. So, um, but th- th- in, in all these discussions, these are all projections. I think this is all stuff that we're looking forward to. I would say two, maybe three months from now, and I would have to say that on the path that we're trending towards, uh, things look pretty promising in this city. So, um, it's maybe something that can work. All right, uh, listen, we, we got to get you on again when we've got a little bit more time, maybe keep you on for a couple of segments or even the whole hour, Carlo, and get into a lot more sports <laughs> topics. Like, I mean, we got to be talking baseball and, and, and everything that's good. But but I do have one fun question for you. Just sure. what, what do you think uh, when people throw that meme at you where you're hitting the boards <laughs> right in front of the camera? <laughs> I keep thinking to myself, how the hell was there a camera right there? Like, are you Kidding me? Talking about being in the right place at the right time, or for me, wrong place at the wrong time. But uh, oh, you know, you, you sit there, you watch it. It's it's one of the most you know funny <laughs> gifts that you'll ever see. Yep. Uh, I have nothing to be embarrassed about. It's funny. I had to answer that question uh, the other day. Um, I remember like interview with St. Louis, and I apologize for, for forgetting his name. But um, what people don't understand, and Joey, you can probably attest to this, is back in the old show. Those arena boards were brick walls. Like, they they just didn't have any give to them. So what I was trying to do on that play was prevent myself from actually hurting myself even more. So I'm making the slide into the boards, and I know if I make impact as I'm sliding on the ice, it's going to hurt. But what I forgot to realize is as I lift myself up, the, the dasher boards, you know, it's it's basically a brick wall. There, there's there, there's no give on it. My knees ended up hitting the, the the yellow dasher board on the bottom, and like that's the most pain that I felt. So, and it's it's funny the way I reacted. Uh, don't get me wrong, I you know as embarrassing as it looks, I have nothing to be embarrassed about. But maybe that's one of those those gifts I'll always be remembered by. <laughs> my, my time is on. 
It would. It is. It is one of the great hockey gifts that's out there, uh, without a shred of doubt. And I bet you, if, if somebody tried to simulate that, there's no way. No way. No. No. Nope. No way you could oh. do it. Just pop up out of nowhere with the face <laughs> and everything was, was fantastic. Oh, hilarious. Hey, man, hilarious. Uh, I'm glad to hear Leo's doing great, uh, and you guys are Thanks, doing man. well up there. Stay safe. Continued success, Carlo. We'll be in touch real soon. Thanks, buddy. We appreciate it hey. a lot. Uh- much appreciate you guys too, and uh, go Blues! You guys are still defending champs, so let's see how this plays out. All right, Carlo, thank you, bud. See you guys. All right, that is Carlo Coliagolo joining us here on this weekend hockey. And when we come back, what in the hell is going on in Chicago? It's coming up next on This Week in Hockey. Once again, we bring you back into This Week in Hockey. Glad to have you with us here tonight. Coming up in uh, just a few minutes, we're going to talk things over with Darren Kimball. Man, he had uh, the CarShield AAA team going to regionals, but they were unable to see it through. But we'll talk about the continued growth of youth hockey in the St. Louis area with former Blue Darren Kimball coming up here in just a little bit uh, before the top of the hour. But, fellas, yesterday, some news out of Chicago. And a little bit surprising as John McDonough, the president of the team, a guy that was brought in by Rocky Wirtz to steer the team out of irrelevancy and back into being relevant and and did so as the president of the team. They won three Stanley Cups. Of course, he wasn't the general manager. That, that of course, is Stan Bowman. But a month ago, Rocky Wirtz said, no, we, we anticipate not only John McDonough, but the general manager, Stan Bowman, and the head coach, Jeremy Colleton, coming back. And they shocked everybody in Chicago by letting this guy go. That signals some potentially some major philosophical changes for the Chicago Blackhawks coming out of this, Joe. You know what it does, Curb? I was actually surprised. I always thought Stan Bowman, to me, again, I don't know what's going on in Chicago. I I don't cover the Blackhawks except when the Blues are playing them, so I don't know all the intels there. But to me, Stan Bowman always seemed to be, from the different people we've talked to around the league, the man in the hot seat. I mean, uh, Chicago's in some trouble, guys. I mean, you lose Jalmerson. You trade him off to Arizona for, you know, Connor Murphy and one other player. Uh, you have these massive contracts for Brent Seabrook, for example. You still got Brent Seabrook for another four years. It doesn't look like he's going to be very viable anymore. And then you got two front-loaded forwards who are amazing players but don't have the support. They have a defensive problem. They have, I believe, a goaltending problem. Uh, I think now, more than ever, uh, Stan Bowman has got to be looked to. And, and don't forget, I mean, Artemi Panarin getting released um, yep. to Columbus for Brandon Saad. An- another trade uh, around that Quenville post all those three cups they won under this man that uh, really were – it kind of scratched your head. So I'm surprised Stan Bowman's not on the hot seat. I, mean, I know he is now more than ever because of, of who they just lost. When do you think it all fell apart? Because, I mean, you go back to the 14-15 season. That was when they won the Stanley Cup. And then the next season was when they were bounced in the first round by St. Louis. Was the Jalmerson trade – in the middle of those two seasons, or did that happen after the Blues bounced I think bounced it's them? above that, to be honest with you. You think it's before that? I, I actually think I think where things start to fall apart is when you have the kind of success the Chicago Blackhawks had, or any team for that matter, and then you start to have power struggle issues. And I think something arose between Stan Bowman and, and Joel Quenville that became irreparable. And because it's, again, hard to imagine them letting Joel Quenville go after the success they did. I mean, and then hard to imagine. So now for this to happen, this had to be at the level of Rocky Wirtz. And if you read the the book, The Breakaway, which is about the history of of the Wirtz family and the Blackhawks, it's a terrific book. Uh, it, It goes into detail about how they brought in and why they brought in John McDonough. So that's what kind of makes, so there had to be some levels of disagreement uh, at the ownership level, I think for this to happen, because I just cannot imagine that at this point in time, the ownership said, 
we're leaning and looking more at Stan Bowman than than John McDonough. And I'm so I'm I'm fascinated how this is going to work out because this is one of those things. If they don't make some of the right decisions here, you could send your franchise reeling backwards several years rather than trying to move forward. And and again, a critical decisions have to be made now by no means am i comparing the two but it's so interesting that it's another chicago team after the documentary that's out right now of the last dance of the bulls and you think of jerry kraus deciding that he's done with phil jackson we're going to move on no matter what no matter what and you kind of wonder if that's the same now again different scenarios i don't think uh, joe i don't think that that is all that different of a scenario to be compared to right now I don't think it is, guys. And another aspect, you know, we talk about this quite a bit, these long-term deals worth a lot of money. You're looking at a Chicago Blackhawks team because, Alex, you asked, when when did this all go wrong? Yeah. I mean, some people could say it went went wrong back in 2015 when they signed Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves. Both, they're making $10.5 million apiece. Uh, so there's $21 million right there. You got Brent Seabrook locked it's up. the Seabrook deal. Yeah, the Seabrook deal. It's, it's, he's making just shy of seven right now and it doesn't look like he's gonna be healthy anytime soon um so you have a almost 30 million dollars tied up between three players it's not much different to me than what we're seeing in toronto i don't know how you can compete when you have let's just take uh kane and taze for example two forwards eating up uh, close to 21 million dollars worth of your salary cap well guys uh switching topics just a real quick uh bit here we were talking last time about last segment with carlo coliacovo you know, a whole other aspect of this, and the Blackhawks are going to have to figure this part out. So think about this. You mentioned Brent Seabrook. We talked last week. I don't know. Could he end up potentially playing for the Blackhawks if if, if you go into August and, and he's healthy enough to play, right? But the way the schedule looked for the final remaining games of the St. Louis Blues, it's not going to work that way. If you do this whole cities, the schedules could be completely different. So a team like Minnesota, four points out of a playoff spot, or Nashville holding on to the last playoff spot, if they did it divisionally, could end up having to play the Blues, the Avalanche, the Stars, and the Winnipeg Jets, and then maybe a healthier Chicago team to try and get in versus the Vancouver Canucks. If they did it against the Pacific Division, might have games against L.A., Anaheim, San Jose, right? And so, again, real just kind of fascinating yeah. times to see how this whole thing is is going to work out. We've got to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we, we – just switch over. We're going back to youth hockey a little bit. What a, a successful season and continued growth for the CarShield AAA team as we put it in the perspective of the overall youth hockey growth in the city and St. Louis and the region as well. So we're going to talk it over with Darren Kimball when we come back. This Week in Hockey returns in a moment on your home for St. Louis Blues Hockey 101 ESPN. Well, welcome back into This Week in Hockey. Glad to have you with us. We come your way every Tuesday night. Hey, listen, there's still plenty of hockey to talk about and to the different topics as we've already shown over the course of the weeks, and we bring you this show live every single Tuesday night from 6 until 8 p.m., along with Joe Vitale, our show host as well, Alex Ferrario. I'm Chris Kerber. Glad to have you with us. And now we're going to be joined by former St. Louis Blue, Darren Kimball, who is currently the head coach of the 16U team, the U16s, and uh, for CarShield AAA. And they had a heck of a season, and they unfortunately didn't get to finish it out. And we're going to talk about that with Darren here in this segment because I think it's an important thing to continue to show just how far youth hockey continues to grow in the St. Louis region. Darren, how are you? Good, guys. How are you doing? Man, we are doing awesome. So, 
For those that may not know, before we talk about the success that you had this season and how everything had to get uh, put on hold for you guys as well, let's just kind of talk about the, the growth of the program. When when you got involved with this team and this organization, what did you see about the the overall need for yet another AAA-level team in this region that, that could handle the talent that the St. Louis area was putting out? Well, when you look at hockey in, in St. Louis, guys, there's uh, you got the AAA Blues who have been around for a long time, and then it goes down to Central States, and then it goes down to club hockey. Um, and I think there's some kids that when the AAA Blues were running, they didn't, uh, you know, there were some kids that were sort of getting left uh, behind. And, um, you know, because there's, that, that, there's only 20 spots to be taken. So guys like uh, actually Paul Cavallini and them started, and I believe Gino, his brother, when Gino was here, I think they sort of started up a program. And then it eventually J.P. Bilstein and Kyle O'Kane, they took it over, and it's uh, now Car Shield, but it was a select before. But it's, it's just another avenue for the ones that just can't make that team over there. Uh, it gives them another option to go play competitive hockey at a high level. And um, St. Louis uh, probably – you know, you go back, and you can go back even further than that, but when the guys all got drafted in the first round, the five of them, um, you know, that put a big spotlight on the Blues, uh, AAA Blue program. And then, and not only that, but when the Blues win the Stanley Cup, there goes another, uh, you know, an upbringing of hockey people. But uh, another team just had to be there. And it was like back in the day when I played, when Holly was in town, you know, there was a big boom in, in hockey and and then now St. Louis, is just, you know, we got the all-star game. you got a lot of stuff going on. So people are really involved in hockey. And it's, it's given a kid uh, another option. And, uh, you know, people like options in life, don't they? Well, Darren, you mentioned how it started with you guys picking up, I'm not going to call them the scraps, but, the, you know, the players left behind who didn't make the AAA Blues, for example. And it's amazing how this whole thing has evolved. I, I actually helped coach, as you know, with Nick Caracello, the Car Shield team last year. I'd see you at the rink with that goofy helmet you always wear. And, and uh, it's funny. It's now it's you guys are competing and now beating the Blues. And when I grew up here in St. Louis 15, 20 years ago, we'd go to Detroit and we played Copyware, Little Caesars, uh, Honey Baked, and they were all so good and they were competing with each other. How important is it for St. Louis now not only to have two AAA teams, but two elite AAA teams that can compete against each other. You know, it, I think it's, it's like I said, it's, it's part of the growth period though here in St. Louis, and that, and, it's, and it speaks volumes of the guys that come way before us. You know, like the John Wenzik, Bernie Federico, Basil McRae, Jeff Brown. You know, they are all part of this, bringing this process up, and the Cavallini brothers broadened it, and now JP. Uh, you know, he's and with Carshield, you know, you got Patty Maroon doing commercials on TV, and. Uh, you know, a St. Louis local boy that uh, went on and won the big ones here in his hometown. So it's just, uh, you know, when, when you get good things going on, and, and what I like about it a lot is when the, at some point in time during the year, we got to play each other. So we'll play each other like three times, and then at the end of the season, we play each other the best of three to see who goes to regional. So it not only uh, gets people going, but this, it creates little rivalries going. And, you know, and you know, Joey, as well as I do, when you play games, the, the ones that you played, the rivals were uh, probably more important than any games during the year. And so, you know, it's just a, and then when the summer comes, everyone's looking for a new, but the kids, they get on the internet and they're, they can throw jabs at each other. And, it, you know, it, there's a lot of fun to the process. And it's when you got like Chicago, you go to Chicago, for example, you go to Detroit, which you just uh, threw on there. Those guys got five, six, seven teams going on, and you know the, you're in the middle of sort of in the middle of nowhere here in St. Louis because we always have to travel to these places, and 
you know, you got good competitive hockey at home. So when the, the two teams get playing each other, it's a, you know, there's a, there's a lot up for grabs. Well, Darren, with you talking about that, that's exactly what your team did is they, they won the best of three against the AAA Blues. So just what did that mean kind of from your perspective as a coach and then from their perspective as 16-year-olds? Well, I'll, I'll tell you what, there's a, like I, I said, there was a big rivalry, but especially on my team, and Joey sort of knows the, the story with my team. My guys got, uh, when I took over, I'd come from the AAA Blues at one point, and uh, I wanted to get away from it and go a different direction and I was going to go down to Carshield and play, and uh, at that time, a bunch of the guys from the Carshield team, it was called an AIC program at the time, they all jumped and ran over to the AAA Blues. And so there were some kids that got left behind. There were some kids that didn't make the AAA Blues that I had been coached before. And when this year come about, and, and when we got to the end, and, and we were competing with these guys, we played them six times and we beat them four this year. And But when we got to the playoffs, and, and we finally won that, and I'll tell you what, I'm not only the kids, guys. I, I tell you what, my juices were flowing big time. And I, uh, we, we come a long way. And when you, when you start a program, or not even start a program, but start from where we started from, the guys that got left behind and uh, picked up some guys that got left behind the next year. And when you finally get, you know, those are what movies are made of, guys. It's, it's something that you can get to the point, part, the end, where all that hard work that you had to put in, and to finally get to the top of the mountain and in, in St. Louis, and not only us, but the team below us, the Joey, the team that you guys had before uh, with Carousello and them, they won theirs too. So, you know, in the 18s, lost in overtime in game three of the best of uh, a three. And, and Jamie Rivers, actually, you guys know well, is uh, his team give up quite a battle at the, at the his age group also. So hockey's alive and well kicking here in this town, but it was – this year was a pretty remarkable year for, for, for my, not just not my kids, but myself included. Cause you know, I had a, you know, those juices, Joey, when you get sort of left <laughs> behind, there's some, there's some fight coming back. You know, Darren, are you able to keep that perspective amidst the disappointment of not being able to follow through all the way to regionals because of the pandemic and having those canceled? It, it was heartbreaking to do that. And, and it would have been interesting guys. Cause when I was gonna, uh, when our team was gonna go down and play in Omaha in the regionals, uh, Gino Cavallini he had the mission. He was gonna be down there. Rafalski was gonna be down there. Another NHL player was down. So it was kind of a good little thing that was gonna go on. Uh, and you know, and, and they were ranked, I think, 13. The mission were in the country, and I think the Wisconsin team was like 15, 16, and we were in the 30s. But our, I wanted to see what our kids could do. It would have been, it would have been, you know, we we're a day away from leaving. It was. Uh, I was getting ready to pack everything up, and uh, I pretty well had the vehicle packed to drive down there. And uh, JP gave me the call and uh, said we weren't going. So it was there was some unfinished business there. So uh, you know, and you know what they say about that unfinished business. You always you got to come back and see if you can do it again. Aaron, really quickly, I was 16 once. What is it like <laughs> coaching a huge group of 16-year-old boys? <laughs> I'll tell you what, and uh, it's it, you know what it's it's it is fun. And here's the thing, when when you take and you know this too, Joey, because through the coaching process. But when you take a group of kids on at the start of the year, and not not just three kids, not just five kids, but when you take the twenty kids on, and that's what I like about coaching because my I, I know the role that I played in the in the era that I come up. I was fighting all the time, and uh, that was the process that I went through. But before I ever become a fighter, you know, I was playing junior, scoring thirty goals. And, and there, there was a part of it. And while watching these kids, even the, like the kids that are playing down, and they, they call them four lines. I, I got four lines I play with, and I don't got a fourth line. I don't got a second line. It's just I got four lines. We roll, and 
everyone, when I get to the end of the season, I evaluate myself on when not just the success of the team, but what have I done with all the kids? Have, have, have we done the job, and have we got made them a better hockey player, uh, or did we fail and, and not make them a better hockey player? And I think that's what a coach has to do. And uh, and I, I'm not. I hate to sit here and try to relate it to what the what uh, Craig Berube uh, does and all that, because by no means. Now I fought Chief a lot. I can relate that. But I, the part that Chief coaches, and you watch with the Blues when they won the Cup, they rolled all four lines. And and I'm a big. I I believe in that. And I think the thing that I like the best about it, and we're not, I'm not comparing myself to the National Hockey League or anything here, guys. But when when I played in my era, there's a lot of times I might get one shift a game, and you'd go out and you'd do your job. Uh, and when I see a kid sitting in front of me that hasn't played for about uh, five minutes, six minutes, it hits home, and it's—I uh, have to get him on the ice. I, I just—I I didn't take him on there to sit on the bloody bench. And I think that's what uh, guys—you see a lot of tough guys that make it in the NHL as coaches or whatever. I think that's where they're—I uh, think the job they do is because of the, the what they've went through and uh, the price they've had to pay, and you know the limited time and the—you know—of of playing and and they always had to care for their teammates. And I think that's why Chief has done such a great job with the Blues. Well, as we talk with Darren Kimball, former St. Louis Blue, played with the Blues from 90 to 92, came over from Quebec as he came to St. Louis and Tony Twist was traded to Quebec. So that's that's an interesting deal. One of these days we're going to get you on the show to talk about that aspect of it when we have a little more time. But I but I do want to end with you with, with this one, okay? With this, this one question for you. I'm going to get away from youth hockey a little bit. After your NHL days are done, 311 games in the NHL, you finished with the Blackhawks. Then you went and you played in the minor leagues for a while to, to kind of wind things down. I'm going to rattle off some of these team nicknames, and I want you to tell me which one of these was your favorite nickname that you played for, all right? All so, right. All right, so, and I'll even include the times in the AHL. So you had the Halifax Citadels, then you had the Providence Bruins, the Indianapolis Ice, the River Rats in Albany, the Manitoba Moose, the Blades in Kansas City, the San Antonio Dragons, the Shreveport Mudbugs, the Arkansas Glacier Cats, and then you had the Rivermen and the River Otters. Which one yeah. of those was just kind of the, the, maybe the, the wildest, best nickname that you played for? I, I think the I think the River Rats was was when I was when in Albany, and that, that was the farm team of the New Jersey Devils when yeah. I was there at the time, but it was... Uh, just the river rat and had that little rat that was sitting on your shirt when you're skating around. So that's, that's probably threw a lot to the case too. Hey, uh, before you go though, yeah. I want to say one thing. And I think it's a reason, you know, we talked about it in the phone yesterday when you talked to me, uh, Steve Chapman, who, uh, you know, I coach his kid and uh, I sort of, that's where the connection comes with us curbs on this, yep. but Steve Chapman, uh, you know, all my, when I, I was at the blues 30 years ago and, and I never knew Chappie and that, and now I'm coaching his kid and, but uh, what, a, what, a, what a great person he is. And uh, it was just, uh, you know, there's been things that have gone on. And uh, I, I've, I've had chats with Chappie and this and that. And, but what, what a great person. And, uh, you know, kudos for him uh, and, and what he does for the Blues. He, he does a hell of a job. They, they really have uh, helped uh, with uh, the youth hockey culture in town, haven't they? Yeah, he is. And, and he's done a lot of good things. And, you know, he, he, works, uh, he works with the AAA Blues also. And yep. his kid's on the car shield. So, it's not like uh, you know, Chappie doesn't sit there and say, uh, "Hey, it's all for car shield or not." He's he's trying to help all youth hockey in St. Louis, and and uh, you know, you got. I've had conversations about how it would make it better, and I, I imagine Joe, Joey's had the opportunity because he's gone through it uh, a little bit here, and he'll probably go through it some more. But you're always trying to help out, not just your own kid, and then Chappie doesn't just do it for his own kid. I don't do it for my own kid. We're doing it for all these kids, and just 
just to feed off of what's going on here in St. Louis. Yeah, that's awesome, Darren. Thanks, of course. Steve Chapman is the Chief Revenue Officer of the St. Louis Blues. Been with the Blues now for about five years. He's an East Coast Hockey League Hall of Famer. Uh, yeah, I know. He, yeah, he was a longtime executive and, and part owner of a team in the East Coast Hockey League. And uh, about oh, a year and a half ago in January, was inducted into the East Coast Hockey League Hall of Fame. So, hey, Darren, thanks so much, man. Let's catch up again and let's then we'll talk into some of the fun uh, hockey stories that you got. You betcha, guys. I appreciate it. Have a good day. All right. That's Darren day, Kimball. You got it. You too. Uh, the head coach of the uh, CarShield AAA team. They did not get to see how things were going to turn out in regionals, but just to get there is a heck of a, another step in the right direction for that great program as uh, youth hockey around the city of St. Louis and here in the heartland of hockey continues to thrive. We'll come back in a moment. And when we do... We start hour number off, two hour number of two, this week in hockey Joe. here on we'll a Tuesday back in a night for your home ESPN. for the Blues, St. Louis Blues 101 ESPN, along with the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber and Joe Vitale. I'm Alex Ferrario, and now it's time to get into our competition weekly, which is Kerbs versus Joey. And if you're just joining us, it's the weekly competition to where I put the two broadcasters head-to-head with each other. Kerbs versus Joe. So far, Kerbs is on top 2-1 to one after three inspiring weeks of competition but fellas this one is really going to test the brain here are we ready for this okay i am how i'm beyond scope so so both of you have young children Mm. we've been locked in quarantine for now what feels like 18 months how are your disney trivia knowledge uh that's not too promising. Joe, you got a chance. Okay. All right. Hey, hey, how about this? How about this, boys? How about you give me the trophy now, Alex, and we just talk about something else on this thing? All right. This isn't this isn't as easy as it's making it seem. We're going old school okay. Disney, new school Disney. We're going to see how we go with this one. Curbs pulled out the victory from last week, so we will start with him. Are you Wait, ready? I thought I won last week. Did he? What was last week? Yeah. Last week was the, the rest, re- was the wrestling the or hockey name. Oh, so I we're tied then. We yeah, are tied two to two. at two two. It's two to two. Because Alex, we you, have the, you are the worst. I know. Host. You don't I know. Even, can't keep score. Uh, we have the we have the spelling bee. <laughs> he's creating these games. I know. This is bad. <laughs> my, my buddy called me up and just ripped the hell out of you. Over that last competition, <laughs> yeah, they're like, "Really? That was weak." Wrestling moves versus hockey nicknames. Like, if you had done, he, he, his point was wrestling nicknames would have made more sense, but you went wrestling moves. <laughs> yeah, that was like, that was a like, weak competition. He actually said, "Dude, you and I could sit down and over the phone could come up with better ideas." than that <laughs> well give him my phone number and let him know. come on how do you follow up my my That's previous true story how do you follow oh, up my boy. previous week of finish the mo- the sports is, movie quotes that is honest Boys, to god i am on the floor in stitches right now literally. that is that is, that is, that is, that is honest to god the text chain that he sent me that is bs well tell him to text me if he's got better ideas tell him to send them my way all right enough of this okay now i hope curves loses is this the sound of knitting or the sound of a hammer <laughs> Now I hope Curbs loses after this. All right, so Joe won the last week. Ding. Ding. That was two weeks ago. So, Joe, you get the first one. Are you ready? All right, here we go. First one. What was Simba's mother's name? Ooh. uh, Was it Nala as his girlfriend? So Nala Nala was his girlfriend. I'm going to go. Oh, it's um, kind of rhymes with Safari. Safari. Well, it was close. Sarabi was the name. Sarabi! <laughs> Doesn't count. Doesn't count, buddy. Doesn't count. All right, Curbs, next one. What animal was Tarzan raised by? Whoa, these are hard. Apes. Okay. It's gorillas? 
Are we going to consider gorillas apes, Joe? No, no. no a gorilla you're doggone right. We are going to consider gorillas <laughs> no, a apes. Gorilla is part. No, if 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 that counts, then safari and sarabi. No, it did, no, right. no, 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 no. Safari and sarabi are two different names. Hold on, we're gonna we're gonna take it to to Google. Is gorilla an ape? I think it is. It's part of the ape family. It's correct. Okay. Gorillas Dang. and apes are the one same. nothing. Move on. <laughs> okay. I just wanted to make sure I'm I'm rooting against curbs on this one here. Come on now, guys. <laughs> yeah, all right. me too. All right, Joe. How long was the genie stuck in the lamp before Aladdin released him? Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> careful. Careful with that. Hundred years? No, not a hundred years. It's ten thousand years. Okay. God. Yeah. That, they, Mine are way harder than his. Disney trivia. That's what I had last week. Disney trivia was Jeez. brutal. I'm probably going to get another text from Curb's friend saying that this one was terrible, too. All right, Curb's. <laughs> Jeez, I can't imagine why you would. <laughs> <laughs> what popular. I mean, you really went out on a limb on this one, didn't you? <laughs> oh, jeez. You God. don't even have kids. I'm going off of your kid knowledge. You have kids at home. Okay, go ahead. It's Keep going creepy. here. This is yeah, horrible. It is kind of, don't you I, think it's a little weird? I don't like these competitions anymore with either <laughs> yeah. of you. We're ruining okay, these. Keep going. Curbs, what popular Disney character makes an appearance as a stuffed animal in Frozen? Oh, come on. Uh, what popular Disney character You can't makes... say that this competition's easy. Um, no, and I did just finally watch Frozen 2 last week. Well, this is the first one, so. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, uh, I have no idea. Mickey in, Mouse. In, in interest of time, I'm, I'm going to have Mickey to say Mouse. no idea. You said Minnie Mouse. No, I said Mickey Mouse. Oh, Mickey you Mouse? You just spoke okay, when I that, spoke. That, that would have been at least a, a good guess, so okay. I, I gave up. So I, right, I now, on right, <laughs> right now, Curves is up by one. Here's question number five. Joe, what, or I'm sorry, who was the first Disney princess? Uh, first Disney princess was, I want to say, was it it's either Snow White or that Sleeping Beauty. Ah, Snow White or Sleep. I know it's Snow White or Sleeping Beauty. I know that for a fact. I'm, I'll go Snow White. I don't know. Snow White is correct. Was it? He just oh threw God. that out there. Nice. And Good he call. caught on to it. Are you it. keeping score? I'm keeping score. Not. What's the score? It's 1-1 one, one now. <laughs> okay. That was question number five. Any any right. other criti critiques no, for me? No, I just, okay. hey, listen, you're keeping score. I asked you to keep the score. What, like, what's, right. what's your problem? Question six, Curbs. What do Aladdin and his monkey Abu steal from the marketplace when you're first Ooh. introduced to them in the movie? Oh, they stole an apple. I thought it was a banana. It was a, was it a banana? No, it was a loaf of bread. Oh, it was a loaf of bread? Apple was yeah. the uh, one that the uh, what's-her-face stole. I can't think of what her name okay. was. Okay. All right. Next one. Joe? Yep. Which is not a Disney princess? I'm sorry. Okay. Which is not a Disney prince? Hulk prince Hogan or? <laughs> God, I hate, God, I hate both of you so much. All right. Which is not a Disney prince? Prince okay. Naveen or Prince George? Uh, really? I think Prince George. <laughs> you put the same effort you did. Okay, now you deserve all hell you're about to get. Hey, like, that was mean, pretty easy, right? Uh, yeah, uh, I almost thought it was a uh, question. Uh, pretty easy. Prince, Prince Jack or something that sounds like it's from Aladdin. God. Jeepers. All right. This is, I am, I am sick of this. I am this sick of this. It's a great game. Keep going, Al. Shut up. Shut up, both right, of you. All right, all right. Curbs, you're next. What were Aladdin's three wishes? Oh. So you watched one movie to get all these. Is that what you did? No. Um, okay. What were Aladdin's three wishes? Uh, 
By the way, you guys are terrible at Disney trivia. I have, have, again, in the interest of time, I have no idea. You tell me. Became prince, rescued from drowning, and freed the genie. No? Nothing? God. Okay. Joe, Curbs is so... Kurtz is so this. pissed off right now uh, that we're playing this game. It's no, not even no, funny. No, listen, I'm all for. I, I, I don't mind. I don't mind the Disney <laughs> trivia. I'm just wondering what in the hell made you come up with it. Uh, well, <laughs> you don't want to get into that. All right, Joe. What U.S. city is the setting of the Princess and the Frog inspired by? Uh oh, Louisiana, New Orleans. New Orleans is correct. Or she's up three so one. They, they play all that. Uh, they play all that music around there. Da, 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 he's da, da, up three one. Okay. What's, so you need to get this, and he called? needs to get the last one incorrect. Okay. Joe, we're, we've moved on, buddy. Oh, sorry. <laughs> all right, Joe. Uh, uh, no, no you're curbs. This me. is Keep curbs. Straight, okay. Alex, Which, <laughs> he's Chris. I'm Joe. Yeah. Which famous princess attends Elsa's wedding ceremony in Frozen? Is it Merida or Rapunzel? Mm. Uh, Rapunzel. Punzel is correct. Okay, so if Joe gets this wrong, Curbs has a chance to tie. Okay. All right? All right, Joe, in The Little Mermaid, what name does Ursula go by when she disguises herself and uses Ariel's voice to try and win over Eric? Uh, she, she was a brown-haired girl. That wasn't the question, but okay. Um, she's... Oh, Franny. I saw The Little Mermaid at the Esquire Theater. Back in what, like 1973? I think I was in high school. 1973? No, I would have been two in 1973. Oh, now I know when you were born. All right. Somebody that's coming up with this game is really not allowed to throw barbs right now. I just want to lay that out there. Oh, I can. Hey, Alex, how about this? Give him a hard one and then I win. <laughs> I mean, that's. I'm giving him my what last was the question. Answer to that one. Hurry up. It, I don't even remember what the question was. was. Oh, it was Vanessa. Somebody was doing something else. It was Vanessa. Vanessa. Okay, here it is. Curbs, you need this to tie, and I really hope you don't get this correct. What are the names of Ursula's eels? Yes, he won't get this. Uh, Jackson and Faction. (laughs) You got the letters correct. Flotsam and Jetsam. Oh, that's I knew yes. it was. That wasn't, that wasn't far off. No, you weren't. I was that surprised. Far off. I was actually going to give you the clue of F yeah. and J, but you no, Fraxen and Jackson. I had that part, yeah. Yep. Well, congratulations, Joe. You were yeah, officially way to go, Joe. Disney Master. Listen, you you take that title this week. You keep it. You hold that thing close. Yeah. Well, hey, boys. I was going to do a, a math trivia, but we all know who would have won that one. So, Oh, don't do math. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's... You, you uh, know there are other people working at the radio station that might be able to help you with some of this stuff. <laughs> I just want to throw God. it out there. All like, right. there, there's a show over on The Point, like, they do a whole entire show of these things, and you're doing Disney trivia. Okay. Just... You know. Alex Alex should have worked for SNL <laughs> back in the day when they did Celebrity Jeopardy when they had all the categories. <laughs> my favorite like, one was like name this continent. Like their Asia. studio is right there. The guys are in every couple. Well, like Riz is in every day. It's real successful. You know they can just say guys help. <laughs> just help. Um, so uh, Alex, so what, what are you thinking for next week's contest? <sighs> I'm thinking I'm, hey, I'm a, liking these right now. I'm, th- I'm winning. I'm thinking I, like I'm thinking I might be ill next uh, week. 
All right, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, uh, Colton Pareko did a virtual happy hour for season ticket holders. Uh, if you didn't see it on uh, stlouisblues.com, it is up on the website. But he fielded a lot of questions, and some of them terrific questions uh, just in terms of what it's like to be in this pandemic to how you're going to come out and play. Do they want to play? All these different things. Some great questions. One of the perks of being a Blues season ticket holders. We bring you some of their questions and his answers next on This Week in Hockey. Welcome back this week in hockey. Alex Ferrario, Chris Kerber, Joe Vitale with you, and we've teased it tonight. Colton Pareko with Chris Kerber last week took questions in a town hall meeting with Blues fans online. The questions were posed from Blues fans to get Colton Pareko's perspective on the game. Personal information from Colton and, of course, information from the teammates. So here's the conversation between Curbs and Colton Pareko. First one comes from Tanya Heathcote. Who in the locker room has the funniest nickname or reason behind their nickname? Ooh, uh, funniest nickname. I don't really know what would be a funny one. Um, French French toast, probably. Uh, Perron, because he's, he's French. I don't know if... <laughs> That's probably the, the funniest one we got and kind of the most logical one, I guess. I think that one's a good one. Does Jaden Schwartz have a nickname other than Schwartzy? Uh, we got a lot of, a lot of nicknames for Schwartzy. Uh, right. Too many to name. All right, that's, all right, that's fair. Um, Hannah Bush, aside from uh, the, the Jack Daniels uh, ride that you have over your shoulder, what is your go-to quarantine beverage? Ooh, that's a good question. I've been uh, – I don't know if it's alcoholic or not, but I, I like the uh, old honey, and then you throw some lemon in there, and then I put it in with hot water, mix it, but then I add the ice cubes, so it's like a cold honey oh. lemon drink. Yeah, that's kind of that's been my go-to. I like like having that. That's actually uh, lime juice, honey, and hot water when my my voice gets a little sore during the season or something. Oh, yeah? That's my go-to drink. Well, I like that one. It's kind of like a like a nice tea, but uh, I don't know. It's it's good. Right. Coffee in the morning for sure too. So here's a quick here's a quick story for a few years ago. Uh, I forget it might have been the was it the 13 playoffs? Game goes into triple overtime. Alexander Steen scores the game winning goal. All right, I start to lose my voice about the second period. By the third period, it's really not playing along, and sure enough, the game goes into overtime. So I walk out of my booth and I go into the alumni booth, which is down on the corner there in the upper level. And Alita uh, was the bartender at the time, and I couldn't find any hot water. And I just wanted to put some honey in, in some hot water. And I said, Alita, I, I said, uh, um, I need some hot water. Can you help find me some hot water? She goes, what's going on? I go, I got no voice. We're going in overtime. I got no voice. She goes, you don't need any hot water. You need a hot toddy. I go, ooh. So she makes me a hot toddy, which is basically some Jack Daniels, some hot water, a little bit of honey. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, in all fairness, I drank that hot toddy to get through, you know, my voice through the, the first overtime. Well, it went to a second overtime, so I went back in there. The game, yeah, the game went to the third overtime. I was on my third hot toddy just to get through and was able to say he shoots, he scores on the big goal. So, that was – That's a good story. I like that one. <laughs> one words. All right, here we go. Um, Deb Greeny. Do the Blues fans' support really make a difference to the players during the game? I think so for sure. Uh, you can you definitely go to different arenas where uh, the fans there might not be as many fans or it's not as loud in there. But St. Louis fans are one of the best, if not the best, in the league uh, for being behind us, and they can help change the momentum of a game uh, for sure. And uh, they're they're fun to play in front of. But you kind of think of different times where maybe you're down a goal or something, and the fans might might start cheering or get loud. Then 
uh, kind of gives you a little bit of a push and uh, they can definitely uh, be behind you and help you out for sure. Hey, what do you remember? What, what, what was it like for you to walk out of OB Clark's and go down into the parking lot and stand there with the fans cheering back up at your teammates holding the Stanley Cup? That was pretty cool. What an experience. Such a fun experience, obviously. Um, winning, we were the good guys on the ice, but uh, it was the whole city that was behind us. And it wasn't just for us. It was definitely for uh, our teammates and the coaching staff and family and friends, but uh, the city, most importantly. They, uh, they were behind us the whole way. They uh, have been with us for a long time. And to get that first championship and share with them is, is special. So uh, that was such a cool, cool opportunity to get down there and, and share that experience with the fans. You could tell how excited they were. And that parking lot filled up in a hurry when people heard about uh, what was happening. So too much fun. I don't know what your expectations were in your head when you thought, boy, if we win the Stanley Cup, if I win the Stanley Cup, I mean, you're thinking of this in college or playing junior hockey, whatever it may be. Um, what that would be like. But I do make the assumption, have to assume that what it was like had to surpass any expectations you had. 100%. Uh, I got to say, I, you obviously try to put in perspective what it would be, but there was just, I don't know, that experience was definitely the coolest experience of my life. Uh, just, I don't know, everything you worked so hard from being a little kid to kind of just making it to each level and trying to get get to the next level, let alone make it to the NHL in the first place and then get the opportunity to, to win a Stanley Cup. This has my, been my fifth year here in St. Louis, and uh, we've had some really good teams. We've been to the semi semifinals and uh, quarterfinals, and we've had teams that could have went on and won. So getting the chance to get to the finals and winning, it's, it's obviously a special special feeling. So just putting it all to, all to respect of you, you kind of have one, one summer to uh, have that whirlwind and just everything about it was was so much fun from I feel like every single day or weekend we had something going on like we had the parade and then we were doing stuff with Anheuser-Busch then we did stuff together as a team with the cup and then you went home and you had the day with the cup with your family which was arguably my favorite day of the summer um but uh there's just no way of really describing winning it the day in Boston that night in Boston and um sharing it with with your teammates and your family all right, so uh, it's our Jack Daniels season ticket happy hour for all the season ticket holders uh, logging in. All right, here's a question from Brad Martell. Brad's question, hey, Colton, my 12-year-old son is named Colton, and you are his favorite player. Will you please give him a shout-out or just say hello to him? Thank you, and stay healthy. Stay, stay healthy. Hey, Colton, great name. I love it. Uh, thank you for being a fan of myself and, and the Blues. We, uh, we enjoy your support, and um, have a great day and make sure you're staying safe and healthy and uh, just enjoy your time uh, when you can outside and just, yeah, good luck. If you're playing, if you're a hockey player, good luck and have fun. All right. Jeff DeBus has a question for you. Colton says he's a huge fan. If the NHL is able to resume with the start of the playoffs to award the cup in 2021, well, in this case, it would still be 2020. Do you think the break may help some teams versus others? And would the blues be a team benefiting from this pause? Uh, it could. It's tough to tell, I would say. But uh, as a whole, maybe some teams might have had injuries, obviously, and some teams could have got different players back um, at, at the time that it resumed. But uh, I think that that could have been a way that it helped. But as a whole, I think everybody's kind of going through the same thing. So maybe if certain teams are kind of staying up to, up to date on their, on their uh, workouts and staying up to date on that kind of stuff, it might help. But uh, 
I think everybody's got to start from the same, same square. It, it all ended at the same time. So um, no real competitive advantage, I would say, but just making sure that you're ready as a team uh, coming out of the gates and making sure that you, you build quickly as a team because uh, it, it, it happens fast. Especially if you start with the playoffs, you got to make sure you're ready and uh, it can be over quick if you're not. Well, uh, Jody Stone, another blue season ticket holder, wants to know, uh, one thing St. Louis doesn't have that you miss from home? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, the easy answer would be my family, but maybe... Uh, that's actually a good answer. I didn't think of that one. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. I think that's a... It's a very good answer. You might mean something uh, something else, but I'm just trying to think what, what exactly I don't have that uh, I have at home. Maybe... Uh, I don't know. What's Canadian? Just trying to think. Yeah, maybe some good maple syrup. Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. I, right, I think about it. And if you think, if we come back to, we'll come back to that one. Okay, sounds good. That, that's a those are hard ones sometimes to answer. Uh, DJ Malone wants to know what is your favorite piece of hockey memorabilia that you own, not related to you. Favorite hockey memorabilia I own. Um, I'm just trying to think if I have something specific that is was given to me uh this is i kind of well this is my collection i guess i got going on i have i collect sticks from different guys that i've played with over the years uh, and they sign the bottom and so i have a bunch of those in my garage and i think that those are my favorite favorite pieces that i have right now uh back in the day when i was younger i had a signed Edmonton oilers jersey from the whole team uh signed grand fear jersey which was really cool um but i think it's cool to have uh, a piece of some of the players that you play with uh, their stick and their signatures and uh, a good way to kind of look back at memories. You know, you come to St. Louis, you get a chance to meet the different athletes. You've been on the field at Bush stadium and met some of the different Cardinals. Uh, I know you're a racing fan. Well, what's, what was it like for you and been like for you to kind of get to know and become friendly with uh, NASCAR driver and Kenny Wallace? It's been awesome. He's uh, such a great guy. He, he's always there to, to support you and will always shoot you a message after, after a game or, uh, something but it's it's been a lot of fun and he's helped me with with a lot of racing aspect of of things in terms of helping me out with going to Daytona with my dad I took my dad to Daytona and he he really made sure that we enjoyed our experience and my dad was the guy that got me into racing so having a guy that like Kenny to help give us such a great experience was unbelievable and I can't thank him enough for for that so but just overall he's such a great great individual he's He's there to support you and just a, a guy that uh, he's easy to get along with and everybody everybody likes him. He's likable. That was a really special trip for you and your dad, wasn't it? It meant it, it was something that you really wanted to do for your dad. Yeah, that was like, yeah, that's something I'll remember for the rest of my life and hopefully him as well, obviously. But he's been a race fan for his whole life. We've Sundays weren't, weren't golf for us. It wasn't uh, anything else but racing from morning to night you start with that formula one race that's usually in europe and that's usually really early and then yeah they have the indycar or the nascar um but it's a full full day thing for us on sundays and that uh was a childhood memory for sure that's that's awesome all right uh how about this for a season ticket holder winner robert and christina jackson by the way uh happy anniversary uh which is on april 25th and we've got an autographed puck and a schnooks gift card for you 
uh, for tuning in and for being a blue season ticket holder. So congratulations uh, to you. All right, we're going to try and just continue to get through as many season ticket holder questions as we can. It's our Jack Daniels season ticket holder happy hour. Colton Pareko, kind enough to slide in and just uh, shoot the uh, shoot the breeze with us a little bit. Uh, I got my Tennessee honey poured in my glass. I'm telling you, I love this. There, they, this, by the way, there's a uh, – so this has the championship logo on it, the glass. It's really hard to see because of the way the light is and the way the glass is going. It's not hard to see when you're holding it close to your face, I promise you that. But, but it actually comes – it comes in a set that the team had uh, in the store. I went and I bought them and then started buying them and giving away for people the gifts. But it's got these two glasses plus a decanter. So you can – oh, yeah, you put, put like a dark rye or something in there, and that logo absolutely yeah. popped. Where'd you get that from? Uh, team store. Team store, perfect. Yeah, the team store. They had it. Uh, I don't know if they. We got to check out if they got it on stlauthentics.com right now. But that's that. That's that, that's that's where we got it there. All right. Here's a question from Brian uh, Bukarit. Uh, again, I apologize if uh, see if I butcher a name when I'm on the air. I just keep going. I feel a lot worse when it's a season ticket holder's name, and I don't know how to say it. Uh, Bukari is uh, the name. All right. Tim Hortons or Starbucks? Tim Hortons for sure. Maybe that's. Can I go back to the question at the beginning? And yeah, Tim Hortons might be because I Tim Hortons is my the thing. I guess I missed looking at that. That should go to answer the question for me. Do you indulge in some Timbits when you pull through the drive-through? I do usually. Well, I have a niece and nephew, so to kind of play it off a little bit, I make sure I, I'm bringing some home for them. You know, but I I tend to dabble and have one or two. Once again, that's Colton Pareko, Tim Hortons. I'm amazed. I guess I shouldn't say amazed because that is a big deal in Canada, but it's so funny talking with players today and they still say, boy, I wish there were more Tim Hortons around. But then they also get into the Dunkin' Donuts and the Krispy Kreme phase. Joe Vitale has found a way to ease hockey players into Krispy Kreme, I think, with that cup of Joe he does every single Blues game. We will take a quick break here on This Week in Hockey. When we come back, Alex Ovechkin, Wayne Gretzky, two of the greats in the game of hockey, had a conversation talking about Alex Ovechkin's chase for Gretzky's all-time goals record. So you'll hear that conversation next here on Your Home for the St. Louis Blues, 101 ESPN. Welcome back to This Week in Hockey here on a Tuesday night. Alex Ferrario, Chris Kerber, and Joe Vitale with you up until 8 o'clock this evening. And don't forget, of course, we have a full slate of hockey programming for you the rest of this week. Tomorrow night, it's the Boardwalk Hardwood Floors behind the bench. And then, of course, Thursday and Friday, it's Play Glory as we are inching through the Dallas Stars series. You'll hear games 3 and 6 Thursday and Friday. But Joe, let's uh, let's get into a little Gretzky Ovechkin, the great one and the great eight. As I'm sure you saw this conversation between the two that they played uh, the NHL 20 video game on Twitch for charity. And I believe they raised close to $400,000, which is incredible. But anytime you can get Gretzky and Ovechkin in a conversation with each other, you know you're going to get gold content. Oh, you are. I mean, the, the, the two of the greatest, most pure goal scorers, uh, I think, in the game, Alex, of course, from different generations. But seeing uh, Wayne playing video games, uh, his wife, Janet, was uh, hilarious in the background, like rooting for Wayne the entire time. And then Ovi, uh, today's biggest, best sniper, the righty from the Washington Capitals. I mean, just going toe to toe and seeing the drama, seeing the laughs, uh, tremendous, tremendous entertainment. And I know in everyone in the hockey world, for, for, for that matter, sports world. I mean, that was just some fun stuff indeed. I, I do have to say, though, I got a personal gripe with their competition because they didn't they didn't 
name a winner. They they both won a game, and then they said that they both weren't great at it, so they decided not to play anymore. Well, I guess that's kind of maybe a little foreshadowing as in who who is going to be the scoring leader, who's going to have the golden stick when all this is said and done, Alex, in the future. God, that's actually a great point. Talk about just foreshadowing what you're looking at right now with those two. So let me ask you this, Joe, because, of course, you played in Pittsburgh for a few seasons. You know about that Penguins-Capitals-Ovechkin-Crosby uh, rivalry. What were your first thoughts when you saw Ovechkin play? My first impression the first time I played him, I was in Washington, and I remember just how big he was. I mean, that was my – it was almost like David and Goliath uh, comparison. I mean, I'm, I'm six foot, 210 pounds at the time, pretty decent size. I'm, I'm undersized. I'm under the average in the National Hockey League, but I'm not small. And I remember going up against a lot of players, even players on my own team. Brooks Orpik was a big body. I remember going up against him. He was huge. But Alex Ovechkin, he just – he's just a, a – thick human being he's just massive i mean one of my favorite pitchers was a couple years ago in the stanley cup finals i think it was before game six i want to say he's in his hoodie you remember this picture he's getting interviewed yeah. before the game alex he's got his hoodie on he's got his big beard he's got like a gold chain he looks like mr t i mean <laughs> he's wearing no equipment that that is just the volume of this guy and i just remember how big he was and i remember his yellow laces just flapping everywhere uh, he what, what amazes me most about Alex Ovechkin and playing against him was really surprising. I didn't get a chance to play against him a lot on the ice unless I was caught out there for three minutes like <laughs> I usually was. was. But uh, his ability to score, his ability to set up plays, but he just has this mix. Uh, the chemistry between how he can score goals but also play a physical on-the-edge style of game. I mean, Wayne Gretzky in his own right, uh, best goal scorer in the, in the game ever to this point. Uh, he didn't have that physical side. That's what amazed me about Alex Ovechkin. He can score goals uh, at will, but also he can add that bite to the game. He's just got an incredible mix. But I just remember how nervous I was the first time I played him in Washington. Well, and I will never forget the moment that I realized that Ovechkin was going to be unbelievable was the night that he scored that goal against the Arizona Coyotes where he was on his back falling down and still scoops the puck into the net. And Gretzky was the head coach of the Coyotes at the time, which I completely forgot about. So Gretzky and Ovechkin did a Zoom conference with Catherine Tappan from NBC Sports. This was Gretzky's thoughts when he saw Ovechkin make that play and then their conversation after i had the great fortune of being the coach when he scored maybe one of the greatest goals we've ever seen in hockey uh i had the best seat in the house i was behind the bench when he went through the whole team and was on his back and scored a, a wonderful goal but as he said we got an opportunity to have dinner and we had a wonderful night we were in malibu california the capitals were in town to play and i will tell you this the thing that I found so fascinating about uh, Alex wasn't so much about uh, individualism, scoring goals, how to become a better player. The whole night was questions about what can I do or what do I need to do as captain to help get our team over the hump? What can I do to contribute to winning the Stanley Cup for the Washington Capitals and the city of Washington? And I remember leaving there thinking, Wow, this is so unique. Uh, we could have talked about anything, goals, assists, games, memories. And really, Alex, the only thing he had on his mind was, I have to bring a Stanley Cup to the city of Washington. And so for me, that was one of the great parts of the whole evening. And I knew then and there, leaving the restaurant that one day he was going to lift the Stanley Cup. This was the part that got me, Joe, hearing Gretzky say that. And look, if you have the chance to sit next to one of the all-time greats of any sport, 
you're going to want to ask questions about what he was doing at this time and how he did this, how he accomplished this. But that's what I feel like is such a rarity in the NHL now is when you get a guy like Ovechkin who has all the talent in the world, but those are the questions he's throwing at Wayne Gretzky. How do I win a Stanley Cup for the city? Well, there's, it's a player, Alex, that is thinking on a completely different level, a completely different prism than, of course, you and me think and probably other other great athletes in the world. I mean, we're watching this Michael Jordan, you and me, we're watching this Michael Jordan documentary. Uh, Michael Jordan, he thinks on a completely different plateau than anyone else. And and that's what Alex Ovechkin does. And this is why he asked those questions to Wayne Gretzky on that night. Sidney Crosby would probably ask the same ones. These players and these guys are so dialed in in such a different way where they're not the common fan. They're not the common person. They don't ask the common questions. And that's when Alex Ovechkin uh, really jumped out at me with that conversation Wayne Gretzky was having about those kind of questions, because at the end of the day, he wanted to see his team win. Now, I think all his individual success and all his records and potential records still to be seen are going to come as a byproduct of his team success. So it's just amazing how it comes full circle and, and to see him raise the Stanley cup, like Wayne Gretzky said uh, to me, again, I think that was probably the most memorable cup raising I've seen that I've witnessed with my own eyes now. I missed the Ray Bork one. I've seen the replays of it. But from a live standpoint, when Ovechkin lifted that cup, you could just see. I've never seen pain, sweat, and tears so visible in someone's face as I saw when Alex Ovechkin lifted that cup. I mean, I, I get goosebumps just thinking about it. He could not hold his joy in. He was just – he wanted to scream every ounce, every cell, <laughs> every everything in his body wanted to explode in that moment. And you can just see – how long and how frustrating it's been for him to get over the team hump. Now, he's been great individually, but from a team standpoint, you can see that that was his ultimate goal and he finally achieved it. It's funny you you, you use that comparison there and you're talking about and you mentioned the, the Michael Jordan documentary and that's exactly what I felt like when I was watching that documentary on Sunday when Jordan won his first championship and you can see the tears, the emotion come out. Ovechkin was the exact same way. So the next thing that everybody's talking about with Ovechkin and Gretzky was about Ovechkin trying to capture the all-time goals leader, who is, of course, Wayne Gretzky with 894. Alex Ovechkin sits at 706. And I'm going to do quick math here on the fly, which is never a good thing, Joe, but that I believe that's 188 goals away from catching Wayne Gretzky. Here's what Wayne had to say about Ovechkin essentially trying to take that record. Our game is so fortunate with guys like Alex, Sidney Crosby. Uh, not only are they great ambassadors for their particular cities and for their organizations, but for their countries also. And as proud as Sydney is, and I am of Canada, uh, Alex is that proud of being uh, from Russia. And it was always the first guy to jump over the boards to participate in world championships, Olympic games, and loves the game of hockey. And so I can't help but cheer and root for him each and every day. I watch a lot of his games. I probably watch almost every game he plays. I hope for him to score goals. I pull for him to score goals. I think it's great for the game. I think that what he's doing is tremendous. I remember when I was breaking Gordie Howe's record, my dad said to me at one point in time, your record is gonna be broken one day and I hope you have as much class and dignity as Gordy Howe has had with you breaking his record. And I hope I do. I hope that uh, I'm the first guy to be able to shake his hand when he does break my record. I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that he has a, he has a great chance to do that. He plays on a good team. He plays with good players. 
And most importantly, I hard every single night. And to me, if you don't play hard every night, those are kind of records you can't break. And he does that. And so I think it's great for hockey. I think it's wonderful for Washington and the Capitals. I think it's outstanding for Alex and his family. And I'm rooting for him as hard as anybody. So I think it'll be a great, wonderful day for the game of hockey when he gets to, to the record. Um, now, in saying that, um, I hope that I get one of his sticks because I gave him one of my sticks. So maybe we can do a nice trade. <laughs> well, and you'll hear that story in just a couple of minutes. But, Joe, 15 seasons of Alex Ovechkin in the NHL, averaging about 30 to 45 goals per season. This season, of course, before it was postponed, 48 goals in 68 games. You're talking about if this guy can play three to five more seasons and score at that rate, you're talking about a guy who can break that record. He can, Alex, and, and what's amazing is, and I, I'm going to go on record saying this. I think if Alex Ovechkin doesn't break this record, I don't know about you, Alex, I don't think anyone in our lifetime will break this record. Agreed. Maybe maybe in 100 years, maybe 115 years, we'll see how the game evolves, but I think, I think Ovi is the one to break it, and if he doesn't, I just, it's so rare to find a winger that can score and compete and be as physical as, as Wayne was just saying right there. It, I mean, just the well-rounded player it takes to do that game in, game out, to, to stay healthy. I mean, that's another thing, staying healthy. Yeah. Oveskin does not miss a lot of games. Uh, he, his ability to stay healthy, to be on a good team, to be with Backstrom, to be with TJ Oshie, to be on a great power play with Carlson. I mean, you need teammates too. I mean, it's all got to come together in, in a full circle. And right now he's got it. If he doesn't do it, I don't think anyone will do it in our lifetime. It's amazing hearing Wayne Gretzky talk about a player like this. I mean, we're talking about Wayne Gretzky. One of my favorite stats about Wayne was something that John Kelly pointed out to me. That I, I don't know why I didn't know this, but it really is an alarming stat. If you don't know how good Wayne Gretzky is, Wayne Gretzky, in the simplest terms, here's a fact for you, has more assists than the next player behind him has in points. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yep. So he has more assists. Then if you go to the points and most points in NHL history, Yermer Yager is number two, okay? And points, goals, and assists. Wayne Gretzky has more assists than Yermer Yager has points. I mean, that that is how incredible this player was. And anytime you hear him just gloat and talk about and brag about a player like he has and was and with Alex Ovechkin in this interview, I mean – your ears are, are tuned in. Anything this guy says is basically gospel. To, to add on to that, Gretzky played 300 games less than Yarmir Yager, and he still has <laughs> more assists than points on him. So uh, this is incredible to me too, Joe. So I'm looking through the all-time gold leaders in the NHL. There is not a Russian in the top 50 other than Ovechkin. Not even Sergei Fedorov? Nope. Sergei Fedorov is – I don't see Sergei Fedorov on – oh, in, in goals. I don't see Fedorov on here in goals. Maybe points. Yeah, it's yeah, incredible, though. Sure. You got, a, a you know, a Peter Bondra, who, who is uh, uh, Slovakian, along with Marian Hossa. You got a couple of Swedes. You got one or two Finns on here and Timu Solani and Yari Curry, and then, of course, a lot of Canadians. But he's the only Russian in the top 50 in all-time goal scored, which is incredible. So you heard – Gretzky talk about hopefully getting a stick from Ovechkin. So you're wondering what the heck that means. Well, listen to this story that Ovechkin told about getting Gretzky's stick. Yeah, uh, <laughs> obviously everybody knows I'm a huge, uh, huge uh, stick collector and uh, have uh, almost 100 sticks. And uh, after a dinner, I asked him, like, uh, Wayne, can you uh, give me a game-use stick? I don't know if you still have it or not. And he said, yeah, uh, win the cup and I'll give you a stick. And uh, <laughs> um, I want... We'll, uh, 
and uh, I tell Sergey, Sergey, uh, I need a Wayne stick uh, because, like, uh, you know, he promised to me. And uh, finally, I get the stick, and uh, I was happy as a little, like a little kid to give a, you know, have a uh, Christmas gift. And uh, uh, you know, it's uh, it's in my my collection, and uh, you know, it's uh, uh, you know when you when you hold this, like uh, I get it in the, uh, at a uh, Metstar uh, Icebox and uh, our practice facility, and uh, all the guys uh, see that, and uh, you know, um, you realize like uh, how how gear is changing right now. Uh, <laughs> how our, how our sticks is lighter than uh, Wayne sticks when he played uh, in the '90s and '80s. It's uh, uh, it's unbelievable, and uh, you know, right now if you uh, want to try the stick, uh, you probably like. If I if I'm gonna use that stick, I'm probably not not gonna shoot uh, as hard as I should right now. <laughs> so it's incredible stuff, of course. If you want to hear the full chat that Ovechkin and Gretzky had, you can check it out, of course, on the NHL and NBC Sports' website. He's Joe Vitale. I'm Alex Ferrario. We'll come back and wrap things up on this week in hockey next here on your home for the St. Louis Blues, 101 ESPN. Well, one final time, we bring you back into your home for St. Louis Blues Hockey 101 ESPN. Our big thanks to Mike Ryder for helping produce the program, along with Alex Ferrari and Joe Vitale. I'm Chris Kerber. Glad to have you with us. All right, fellas, a couple things. Uh, knock out a couple of promotional things first off. Number one, uh, if you go into stlouisblues.com, we encourage everybody to do it. They're staying extraordinarily active in the community. Of course, you see the Rise Up for Heroes. They just had uh, two days ago, or yesterday, actually, the final caravan but they did parades throughout some neighborhoods and then, oh, ended up at a local hospital. But there's still ways that you could donate to the COVID-19 causes, ways you can get out on your front porch and just applaud the frontline heroes at 7 o'clock every night and log on to stlouisblues.com to find that out. There's other opportunities for you as well. On Friday, May 1st, from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m., all right, that's coming up. They're doing another uh, blood drive for the Red Cross. I actually went and I donated blood this past week, so I'm not eligible to give blood there, but I can tell you that basically laying on a cot right there at the brewery is about as good a setting to give blood as you could ever, you know, you potentially <laughs> give there. So, so again, log on to stlouisblues.com for more information on that one. And then finally, for the kids and for the families as well, you've got the Virtual 5K, all right? This one's awesome, the Virtual 5K. So you log on, you sign up. All the money is going to COVID-19 relief. And then coming up this week, and from May 1 to May 3rd, you run a 5K either on your treadmill in the house with the family around the neighborhood, keeping social distancing, take some pictures of it, take some video, upload it, and then uh, you, you basically make sure when you upload it, you include the hashtag virtual 5K and you include the, um, you know, the St. Louis Blues on your um they're, they're, they're on your social media feeds, and the Blues will be giving away some prizes there as well. So a lot going on. Go on to, and that, by the way, is brought to you by McBride & Son Homes. They, they, they do a terrific job working with the St. Louis Blues on all, so many of these community efforts. So, uh, by the way, if you're in the market for a new home, too, they, got, they have a whole brand-new series of homes that are now open up uh, down on the hill amongst some of the other areas in town, and, and the, the show homes are now open. So go and check it out if you're in the market for a new home, especially with rates being where they are. Check out McBrideHomes.com, and they are bringing you the virtual 5K, and you got to sign in, sign in at stlouisblues.com. All right, uh, so some fans really liked it last week, Joe, when we kind of took this book here, this great book that the St. Louis Blues put out, History Made, and we just randomly picked some pages. 
and and rattled them off. All right. So what we're going to do, and, and fans can of course send us the pages uh, on on the the text line if they'd like to be a part of this. But we're going to go ahead and find these pages and tell everybody what's on them. And then of course, fans, if you want, there are still books available. Uh, they're ten dollars off right now at stlauthentics.com. Stlauthentics.com is where you go to get all your blues geared during the pandemic and even when things are back to normal it's the website where you can get all your official blues gear but uh i figured joe we'd keep this going and go ahead and and pick out some different page numbers and see what they got so randomly throw out a page number joe and let's see what, what what's on it i'll do con Smythe winner ryan o'reilly page 90 what do you got page number 90 all right well 90 is a transition page so across from that is page number 89 right and it is a quote from Jordan Bennington that said, we wanted to win tonight in front of our home fans. They deserved it. We wanted to win as a team. It's Saturday night. The team's going to have some fun. How about that? Mm. So and that is, uh, that's basically right after game six against the Winnipeg Jets. All right. Oh, okay. So nice. all, all the different pictures are up there. So a whole whole, and this is the, the fun you have when you flip through this book. I kind of do it every night when I read those, uh, the kid books too. All right, uh, Alex. Uh, what do you got? What do one of our, our textures have? What page number? Let's do. Uh, let's do number one eighty. Page number one eighty. Go towards the back. All right, we flip towards the back. Page number one eighty. We've got pictures of the Stanley Cup in Sweden. <laughs> oh yeah. So we've got Oscar Sundquist with the Stanley Cup uh, at the top of that page, and then uh, Alexander Steen's day with the cup highlighted. <laughs> On page number 180. So I, I like that one. All right, Joe, uh, what's the number for you? Let's go 120. All right, page number 120. So we flip back to page number 120. Boom, that one's awesome. Two to one Blues win in game five over the Boston Bruins. Tyler Bozak's tip of uh, Boston. Oh, that's the that's the game where Tyler Bozak uh, did not get whistled for the uh, accused trip of Noel Achari. And oh, then the Blues yeah. end up scoring that goal. That's, that's like he took a cookie out of the cookie jar and he looked at Mama and said it wasn't me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that's exactly well, everyone right. called them cheaters after that. Okay, Alex, uh, what uh, number you got? Or what's on the text yeah, line? Text line number one fifty-five. Okay, one fifty-five is a transition page with just a big picture, and we're looking at it, and we got Ryan O'Reilly accepting one of his eighty-seven awards he won last season. <laughs> I'm all for that one. Yeah, no, uh, of course, he, that, that's uh, the award right him accepting for uh, winning the Selkie Trophy. Wow. Yep. All right. Joe, one more. We've got time for one more. Give me one more number here. Let's go down. Let's go to 38. What's on page 38? Oh, okay. Great number 38. Every time you say number 38, you got to say Pavel Dimitra, right? Have to. You have to, you have to say Pavel Dimitra. Okay. On page number 30, hang on. I got to flip to the front of the book here. More towards the front. Uh, page number 38, that is in the month of December. And there's a big picture of Jake Allen in goal, Sidney Crosby trying to deflect a puck to him. Uh, looks like Joel Edmondson defending, and it says, in the franchise's 4,000th NHL game, the Blues faced a fellow expansion class of 1967 classmate, the Pittsburgh Penguins, who ruined the occasion by scoring four power play goals in a 6-1 romp. And Ouch, they, actually, they actually used the word romp on uh, yeah. on December 29th. Great pick. I remember that game. Oh, actually, I think, guys. I think we talked about it, guys, in the yeah. pregame curves. That game, we have to stay out of the box more importantly than ever because they're power play, and then they ran off with four. Yeah, but guys, you know what is also on this page? A mutual disagreement. 
and it is the shot, a left-handed punch from Zach Sanford to Robert Bortuzzo. Yep. That mm, might have been yep. one of the galvanizing the moments leading leading to the turnaround. God, I was at that practice. Yeah. It's kind of fun to go through that book, isn't it? Oh, yeah. And and, and do it that way, just randomly pick some pages. So, again, uh, if you haven't seen it, that all that is from that History Made book, and you can get that book at stlauthentics.com. Fellas, another great week of hockey talk. Fun stuff. We'll do it again, and hopefully we continue to find more positive news from week to week as we build maybe to a resumption of the season. And I tell you what, in the in curves, they, if they get that book, they can also uh, see me. I was so happy after they won the cup. I just took a little nap right next to the cup on the plane ride home from Boston. So that's a good shot as well. Do you know who was holding the cup in your picture, in that picture? Oh, you know, I was in a deep sleep, Curbs, so I don't remember much, no. That would have been your uh, – that, that that would be your cup of Joe buddy, Oscar Sundquist. Oh, was it? That's, that's you, <laughs> the Stanley Cup, and the hands of Oscar Sundquist. <laughs> I love it. I'll take it to my grave. <laughs> All right, folks, have a terrific week. Thanks for tuning in and making this week in hockey part of your week. Along with Alex Ferrario and Joe Vitale, I'm Chris Kerber. Again, thanks to Mike Ryder for helping produce the program here tonight. Tomorrow night, Boardwalk Cardboard Floors Behind the Bench comes your way at 6 o'clock as we profile the long career with the St. Louis Blues of Bruce Affleck. That's coming up tomorrow night. Have a great rest of your Tuesday night, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow night.